Thank you for joining me today on the Who God Says podcast. I am your host and Kingdom Ambassador, Ty Chandra. Hi, hi, hi. Today we have a special guest. Ooh, I'm so excited. She is an author and a storyteller, a podcast host, motivational speaker, entrepreneur, Reverend Jocelyn Jones. Yay! Hey, Ty Chandra. Hey! <laughs> Welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. I am so excited that you're here. I've been stalking you for a couple of months. Oh, <laughs> hey. <laughs> it ain't that crazy stalk. It's that good stalk. <laughs> yes, that good stalk. I was like, oh, oh, Lord, please. Oh, Lord, please let us say yes. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, I was like, oh, I was, every time I checked my inbox, I was like, did she respond yet? The Lord, but the Lord knew because I actually came across your profile and my, I told my sister, I would like to be on her show. I think we missed your message. So see how that worked? See, see. And in the meantime, he had some great people where he connected me with, but I was like, oh, did she answer? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, I'm excited. All in God's timing. Mm-hmm. All in God's timing. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes. Oh. And we have to talk about this book that you wrote. The book is called Breaking the Power of the Mask. Mm-hmm. We got to talk about this. We do. We do. We got some things to talk about. What inspired you to write that book? And how did you come up with that title? Yeah, so I'll start with your first part of the question. Uh, Well, because I was the queen of wearing the mask, multiple masks. Mm. Uh, And for me, what I was hiding was the pain that I experienced from my own personal trauma. I survived sexual uh, trauma from my early 20s. But at the time, it nearly destroyed me. And the way I hid my pain was to throw myself into ministry. And I worked and worked and worked. And the, the funny thing I was telling someone else earlier today is that there's certain addictions or behaviors that we engage in to hide our pain that can actually be socially acceptable and even yeah. celebrated, like being a quote unquote workaholic and mm. Or for me, that's what I was doing. I was producing. I was trying to be perfect, strong. No one would know, ever know that I was really struggling inside until for me, I realized that to the outside, I was looking good. But on the inside, I was broken. I was struggling with so much shame, Mm. so much guilt. And it was impacting not only how I saw myself, but how I was engaging in relationships my romantic relationships were really struggling because I had such a wall up where they were also engaging the mask versus the true authentic version of Jocelyn. They got uh, projections of what I wanted them to see, but I never let them in because that was vulnerable. Mm. That was not safe for me. And I, from my trauma was operating from a place of constant uh, uh, guardedness. And so Mm. I never really, during a, a, a long season of struggling through my pain, experience a, a level of intimacy because I never let people in. And so for me, when I began to really see how I needed to remove my mask, 
to begin to to heal from the pain that I had experienced, I started interviewing other individuals about their healing journey from trauma. And I would publish it as a blog, the interviews. I called it Faith Fridays. That's how I actually started my ministry was those interviews. And eventually, as I was writing and starting to do my own work through counseling, I wrote my first book called Breaking the Power of the Mask to talk about that process, the fear that we have, the attachment we have to our mask and how it takes courage to remove it and we have to find sacred spaces to begin to unpack the pain from the past so that we can begin to heal and invite God's healing into our space. Wow. Wait, we got to let this sink in because you said you were projecting what you wanted them to see and they were not actually breaking through to the real you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let mm-hmm. that sink in. A lot of us do that. Mm-hmm. A lot of us do that. And it, it and you you mentioned that it affected your relationships. You you wouldn't allow people to have that intimacy with you because you had those walls up. And I've done that. Mm. I've done that. I've been married before and I just recently um, expressed to someone that I had never been in love. Mm. Had cool. never been in love. But I've been married and divorced and have four children. And I've never been in love. I've always has had walls up myself. And it was because I didn't want to experience what I saw other people experience. Mm-hmm. The hurts that they felt. The pain that they felt. I was like, you're not going to get me like that. <laughs> Right, right. So a lot of times people don't understand that they're putting those walls up and it may not even be something you went through, but something that you saw someone else go through. Well, 100, that's 100% correct. And I I think that it is a fear that keeps many of us in bondage around that, about fear being hurt again, not being got twice, if you will. And uh, for for me, one of the things that we have to look at on the flip side of this is that, yes, if we never let people know us truly and n- never allow them to see the true self beyond the mask or behind the mask, then, okay, we're playing it safe, but we're never going to be able to fully be known and loved, known and loved. And for us, I think that is the biggest fear we have is to be known, be known by people, but not loved if they see us fully. And so instead of allowing people to see us, we pretend. And that way, if they don't know the true self, then we don't have to uh, experience that rejection that we so much might fear. Yes. Yes, definitely. Ooh, this going to be a good one. I might need to get some. You might be sweating and everything else. Ooh. Ooh. <clears throat> Okay, so um, you said that you experienced sexual assault. What other type of traumas um, did you experience growing up, or were there anything anything else that kind of contributed to you putting that mask on? I think that we all are born into a society that essentially says that the mask is what we need to do. In my first chapter, mm-hmm. I said I was given this mask. I didn't make it. Like, like kind of off a Tupac. Because, <laughs> uh, yes. you know, I, I feel like society is one in which through social media, 
through um, how we are expected to present ourselves in the church through just um, some of the narratives that we've been told as a child, what happens in this house stays in this house. You know, never let your laundry, dirty laundry be seen outside. All these things that we're taught oftentimes to even live a lie. I'm too blessed to be stressed when we're really depressed. You know, all these things are saying that you need to be wearing a mask. And so it doesn't have to be necessarily trauma that someone has experienced, but it can be just the fact that society really invites people to present a certain version of themselves. Even think about it when we in America, in America, in our culture, when we meet someone or we're passing once passing someone, we say, how you doing? And then we keep walking as a greeting. We don't care how you doing. How you like doing. if we really cared how you doing, you know, we need some time for that. And, and, and we're programmed to say, I'm fine when someone asks me how we're doing. And, and so this idea of wearing a mask is embedded in how we do things. And so it's actually counter cultural, if you will, for us to be at a place in certain settings where we let our masks down so people can truly see us. I say that to say that in certain environments, it's not even safe for us to be vulnerable and to remove our mask. And for us, especially as a black woman, back several hundred years ago in slavery, we had to wear a mask to protect ourselves. We were forced to as Mm -hmm. a survival technique to laugh at things that weren't funny, you know, to be strong when uh, there was things going on that were horrific in nature. And so that being in a circumstance that required us to wear a mask for survival, some of those narratives have been passed down from generation to generation to generation. And this is how we're supposed to function. And so when you have this narrative from family, when you have this narrative from culture, when you have your own trauma, you have this combined, it causes many of us to live our life as a facade versus living in the authentic truth of what's really going on inside of us. Yeah. Wow. Ooh. Hmm. Gather on that one. I know we have all heard that what goes on this house stay in this house. Yeah. Yeah. So much, so much pain and trauma that's covered up because we don't know how to deal with um, the actual issues. And then they pile up. Mm-hmm. And they un- don't understand that these wounds are not being healed. They're just, you're just putting a band- band-aid over the top of it. Right. And now you're getting infected because you got to, it spreads. It spreads from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, my God. So let's talk about little Jocelyn. So little Jocelyn um, is is going throughout her days in school and everything. Was there anything that little Jocelyn dealt with that contributed to her being behind the mask? Yes. So for me, my parents... They sacrificed a lot to make sure that I went to some of the best schools. And Mm -hmm. at the time, 
in my neighborhood, I, I didn't go to the community school. I went to a private school, which is, was a Catholic school. And at the time, mm. the Catholic schools were predominantly white. And so I found myself being but a handful of minorities. And of that handful was only like a few of us that were black. And so I looked different. I looked very different. My hair was different. My hair was very coarse and thick. You know, I had little hips and stuff. And I just felt so <laughs> out of place. And I remember even as, I mean, I must have been in third grade and was sitting in the lunchroom with some girls and we were having lunch and I wanted to throw out my sandwich and my food and not eat because I felt like I was too heavy in comparison to the other girls. And oh, wow. thinking about this and thinking about how I thought I had bad hair and, and wanting mm. to, to fit in. And it, it caused me to grow up with this desire to be accepted and assimilate. And so in certain environments, when there was things that were said that were just frankly not funny, it was sometimes even racist. I would just be quiet. I would not voice my opinion. It was, I just kind of became a chameleon in different environments. And for me, that was definitely a mask of people pleasing and becoming so fluid in other people's comfort and what they thought mm. that I was losing who I was. And that was really challenged. Uh, challenging to unlearn that behavior as an adult because I didn't realize how much of my voice was lost in trying to uh, fit into a world that was different than me. Wow. Have you told your parents anything about this? Like, did you talk to your parents as you were growing up about it or was it something they all talked about later on in life? No, I honestly, I don't even think I tell my mama the story of um, the sandwich <laughs> wanting to throw that out. My my dad is deceased, um, but my mom, um, you know, if I, I probably could tell her, I feel like she would feel so terrible, but it wasn't even her, it wasn't her fault. My parents were right. trying to give us the best. It's just, I think when you're young and you're different and you know you're different and sometimes different in certain environments is treated as bad. Um, then yes. it can impact your self-esteem. Yeah. Wow. Ooh. Okay. Ooh. So we dealt with self-esteem. We dealt with people-pleasing. Um, and then there was the sexual assault. What was the breaking point for you? When did you realize you are not being your authentic self and it was time to like make a change. I think when I realized that I was going through life, going through the motions essentially. And mm -hmm. I always say that pretending hurts and going through mm -hmm. life, pretending for so long, just got tiring. I got tired and uh, it caused tremendous anxiety in some cases uh, after failed relationships where I made mistakes that I regretted because of the fact that it was a result of my trauma. I said, okay, Jocelyn, I, I need to start dealing with this. 
I have a heart for helping other people who've experienced trauma, but before I can help anybody else, I need to be my first client <laughs> and, and begin yeah. the process of um, seeking the help that I need. And so I started going to counseling, doing the work, uh, you know, do, learning from other and their journeys, communing with God on a deeper level around those hidden wounds of my heart. And then from there, while I was doing that, I began also my ministry of healing. After writing my book, I began to uh, do trauma healing groups. I came across the curriculum in 2020, in March of 2020, that's called the Trauma Healing Institute. And they walked us through this process, which was a Bible study to help people heal from trauma. And it was incredible. It was powerful. It was transformative for me. And so I wanted other people to experience this as well. And so I started running trauma healing groups for other people on Zoom because of the pandemic. And that wow. developed into a ministry for me to do healing groups for people across the country. And then eventually uh, I did a lot of work around Christian counseling, pastoral counseling, and started a, a Christian counseling practice where I identified a team of trained counselors on healing from trauma and grief and loss to be able to offer individual support. And I tell you, when I think back on this journey, you could have never told me I'd be working in ministry in this capacity. You know, I just wanted to heal myself. Uh, but I also <laughs> felt like I was in bondage for so long. I mean, for over 10 years, it was a personal vendetta of mine to get the devil back for everything he stole from me. I wanted mm -hmm. payback. And one of the best ways that I could get back at him was to do this work to help other people to heal from trauma, to know God's love, to see themselves for who they are, who God says they are. And so this required me to help people to remove their mask, get the support they need, and know who God says they are as a child of God. Wow. Ooh, that's right. Get it back. Everything he stole. Get it back. Right. Okay, so when you're in this this place where you're like, hey, Jocelyn, we got to do something, you know, we got to get this together. What do you believe was that that drive? What, what, what do you believe was the, the feather that broke the camel's back, so to say? Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it was, I, it probably partially was all the seeds that were planted from my faith community. It was a mixture of, um, uh, some people call it like negative energy and positive energy. Like the positive side was church, staying grounded in the church that said, hey, uh, God is a healer. God loves you. You don't have to live your life in bondage. You don't have to continue to walk in shame. And so being surrounded by that kind of helped me to say, okay, let me get the help that I needed. But on the flip side, mm -hmm. it was what I just said in the last question. Like, man, the devil's been taking me as a punk and I'm tired of this. It's like, everything is being, I don't want to be a victim, you know, where I'm, I'm falling right. for his schemes and I'm continuing to let relationships suffer. I'm continuing to go through life, not experiencing the more when I know God is calling me to more, but I can't get to the more if I'm weighed down by all this stuff. So I got to release yeah. some of this baggage, 
got to unpack some of this stuff so that I can experience what God is trying to do, not just for me, but through me to help the lives of others. And I think that's for any of the listeners right now. There's certain things that God wants to do through you, but he can't use you yet because you are so worn down by all your pain and trauma Mm -hmm. and hurt and baggage. And so he can't use you or put you in position to call you to your next until you begin to face what's been weighing you down. And so I'm telling you right now, if you have yet to face the pain from your past so you can begin to heal, it is time. It's been time. You do not have to continue to live your life in shame. You do not have to continue to live your life in bondage. God is calling you to a place, a new place where he wants to heal you. He wants you to understand that what happened to you does not define you. It will not destroy you, but you need to be at a place where you make that brave first step to reach out and get the help that you need. Let's take a quick break. Hi, everyone. Join the Kingdom Fanatics community. Get exclusive content, green room access with our guests, and more. Visit our website at whogodsays.com. Like and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We greatly appreciate your love and support. To find all information on joining our community, being a guest on the show, donating on our PayPal donation page, and more, visit us at whogodsays.com. Now back to the show. Yes, Reverend Johnson, come on. Yes, Reverend Jasmine. Word. That was the word right there. Amen. Word. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. So how did, um, once you decided to start making that change, um, did you start to notice a difference when you interacted with people like at work, in the church, and in um, other relationships? So I did start seeing a difference, but I need to be clear that 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 difference was very small steps, work in progress. Mm -hmm. Like it's not overnight that these changes take place because some things we don't even realize is, is there that need to be addressed. It's just until something happens and it brings it up to light that you're like, Oh, where'd that come from? Well, yeah, that came from something that happened 10, 15 years ago that you haven't dealt with yet, but it's okay. We can't deal with everything all at once. And for me and my, my process, when I began to really do the work around healing and I said, yes, fully said yes to, to God in terms of the process, then that's when my life began to shift because I I shifted into ministry I had Mm. already worked in the nonprofit field for over 10 years at my church. But when I felt God calling me to my next, I was seeking God for answers on how that might look. And as I continued to walk, walk this thing out in faith, because it wasn't a clear blueprint. I eventually had uh, a revelation about from God that life is this journey of yeah. faith. And that's what caused me to name my company Faith on the Journey. He gave me that one word, journey. And I said, okay, my company is Faith on the Journey because each and every day is this faith walk. And yep. 
we have to understand that we can't continue to allow the mistakes of our past. And I'm talking to myself because this was a big issue. I continue to believe for years that the mistakes of my past is what was going to define me. And I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't get past that. And so when the decision to um, begin the process to heal and remove the mask took place in my life, that's when my ministry doors blew wide open. And that's what took place. That's when I started really doing the work and really being equipped and have God order my steps and put me in positions where I was able to connect with other healing practitioners and have speaking opportunities and work in churches. And none of this was in my plans, but me saying yes and having that revelation helped me to take my next step into my new chapter of life. As it relates to your question around um, relationships, uh, that's still a work in progress because for for years, your girl was single. Like, <laughs> it wouldn't even think about no man. And so there were certain issues that I have or had that I was unaware of because they would not be brought out when I was in a single season. Because it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's easier to kind of just focus on ministry, 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 and serving the Lord. But when you start engaging someone on a more uh, intimate level, you realize, oh, that's still there. Just because <laughs> it's been dormant for 10, 15 years because I've been single doesn't mean that it's not still there. You know, and I think that mm-hmm. sometimes there's this misnomer around time healing all wounds. But time without the work and effort to do the healing it doesn't necessarily heal all wounds. As you mentioned, it could lead to infection if you just leave an open wound that has a bunch of dirt inside of it, un, you know, unclean. And so for me, in this recent season of me moving from singleness to being married and working through, like, the, the challenges of being in an intimate relationship with someone, I've had a lot <laughs> of work that I still have to do. Oh, Lord, have mercy. You know, it, it shows, um, it reveals those things to you. And it's okay because we're yeah. going to be a work in progress until we go home to glory. But uh, yeah. I just always like to be real with people that I have not in no shape or form arrived, but I have made progress. Yeah, that's awesome. We all. We all are still progressing. We have not arrived. And it's awesome. She was like, I ooh, still learn. Yep, we're all still learning. I see a lot of things in myself, even listening to other people's conversations, because I am I am still single. But even t- listening to other people's conversations, I notice that I have a different viewpoint on a lot of things that they talk about. And I listen to a lot of different podcasts and I'm like, you know, I've noticed that my mind shift has totally changed. And a lot of things Mm -hmm. that used to bother me, especially in relationships, don't even bother me anymore. It's like, why did you even care about that? Like, what was the problem there? Mm -hmm. Why was that an issue? Um, And so I've seen like a lot of times um, I notice my growth just by listening to other people and the way that I respond and, it, and getting them to look at something different. And at the end of the conversation, I'd be like, hmm, you said that? 
right, right, right. <laughs> oh, my God. You said, oh, so I know that, um, like you said, we're all progressing, but I, I know that um, God is using a lot of people to show me my growth. Because a lot of times when you're sitting there and you're secluding, you're by yourself, and, and God is doing that work on the inside of you, you don't really see it until you start interacting with other people. And like you said, you're like, oh, well, that was there. Some things I didn't even think about from years and years ago. But now I see how I've grown for it, how, from it, how I, I see how things don't bother me. The, the nagging and the nitpicking stuff, like what they call them, pet peeves. The pet peeves mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. are not there. Well, some of them are still there. Some of them are still there. But most of them are gone. Because a lot of times it's, it's surface things. We, Like they say, women have a list. But it's surface, surface things that we try to attach ourselves to and say, this is what I want. When we don't even know what we want because we don't know who we are. Mm, We're not clear on who we are. So how can you know what you want? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you start making that, diving into figuring out who you are at your core, then you'll start to understand these are the things that I absolutely need. I, it doesn't matter about the rest of that stuff, you know, and I like to call them core values. You have core values. You have core values in the Bible. You have core values at home. You have core values in business. And that's just them over into relationships. As long as you have those core values and you're operating in that, then you should be fine. All the rest of that surface stuff, it comes and go. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So what, what are the biggest obstacles that keep people stuck in their past? And how would you advise them to overcome those obstacles? I think for one, the environment, I think certain environments, mm. it's going to be hard for us to move forward into the future. If everything around us is reflecting the past, the past hurt, um, unhealthy ways of thinking, uh, negativity, and some environments uh, breed you living a lie, not providing you with a safe space yes. to talk about what's going on with you. So I do think certain environments must be changed in order for someone to have room to even start the healing process. Because if you're continuing to stay in an environment that's causing you further pain, then uh, you'll never be able to heal. And so that's that's number one. I think the the second thing that hinders people from beginning to, to heal or being stuck in their past is that it's very in order to heal, you have to hurt. Mm-hmm. You have to uh, feel certain things. You have to face certain things. And I think that instead of doing that, because it requires such work, we rather just not. <laughs> we rather yeah. not. We just rather just say, oh, well, let me just put that on the shelf or bury this over here and pretend it's not there. But that's kind of like we think of like little children who are playing they're like I don't see you they like cover their eyes with peekaboo it's like well <laughs> it's still it's still there even though we can pretend not to right. see it and just because we don't acknowledge it doesn't mean that it's it's, uh, it's not having an impact on us um, and I think 
The other thing is, it's not something that we're meant to do by ourselves either. I think it's very important that we have people journey with us to help us to slowly unpack all the things that we've been carrying in our baggage for so long. If we do it by ourselves, it could be overwhelming. We don't even know what to, how to begin. We can't even see how certain things are impacting us. And so for us to have someone who is wise counsel, the right type of counselor, and I put big quotes around right, because not all counsel is good counsel. <laughs> not everybody is a good That's right for you. And so if you can get someone who is trained, who's in line with your values, uh, a person of faith, someone who um, will be able to cut through the manipulation techniques that some of us might use in counseling to avoid dealing with uh. the stuff that's really bothering us or holding us back. You get the right one. They will help you to slowly but surely start moving forward versus living in your past. Yeah. That's awesome. Environment, um, feeling, like, because you have to feel something, and then community. So in, in the environment, so what are some things that you can do to change your environment? Like if you have control over that, because I know sometimes people are sitting in an environment where they have absolutely no control over, like it could be a child and they're in this environment. And the reason that they're in the environment is probably because of their parents. So they don't too much have control over it. But what are some things that we can do to control the environment? as adults, as people who have control over that? Yeah. Um, so for one, I think it's starting by doing some work on self. Uh, and this is where the counseling mm -hmm. comes in, because sometimes we've been in an environment for so long that we have a hard time discerning what is healthy, what's not healthy, what's harmful for us, um, what has been injuring us. Uh, sometimes we think that this stuff is mm -hmm. just like, okay, because it's been our yeah, normal, it's normal. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and so I think when having someone who is objective to be able to help you process certain things and kind of work on yourself and then help you to identify the people in your life who might need to be pruned and the people in your life who might need some stronger boundaries so that they don't continue to injure you. And as you begin to do work on yourself, uh, your continence changes, what you're willing to put up with yeah. changes, the type of conversations that you will engage will change. Some people will quite frankly drop off themselves from you and say, I, she's different now. Well, yes, she's different now because mm -hmm. she or he or whoever knows who God says they are now and is not going to continue in, to engage in certain things. And so some people will eventually kind of fall off and other people you might just have to make very difficult decisions to end certain relationships uh, which it's never easy whether it's a romantic relationship or friendship certain people were never meant to ride the elevator up to the penthouse with you they got to get off on the fourth yep. the fifth the sixth floor and when they do it doesn't mean that you don't mean them well it just means that their time that season is up in your life and it's time to let them go and so for me, um, I think that a good starting point is to do the work on yourself, gain a better understanding, build yourself up, um, and then look uh, to see in who your life needs boundaries, who you might need to slowly distance yourself from, 
Uh, even if you have to change, if you have the means, change locations. And locations doesn't have to be out of state. It might just be, right, let me find an apartment or let me find a new roommate or let me have a change of scenery, uh, maybe a people group or a church group or whatever. Whatever it means to you. But I think identifying the people in your life who are not life-giving is a first mm-hmm. step. So then you can be prayerful about how you can either create yeah. some healthy distance or you can engage them differently. Yeah, that's awesome. I know a lot of times when I think about environment and um, where had where God had me just a year ago, um, whew, if he wants you in solitude, mm. he will put you in solitude. And it is, when I look back on it, it's like, I stopped talking to this person. I stopped going to this place. I didn't even have to go. I had a I had a um, a daiquiri and seafood shop that was open, and not that it was running to the ground, but the business closed, and I closed it because I was dealing with my father. But I had so many other distractions that I started. Like my prayer life was amazing. My spiritual life was amazing. I was seeing things different revelations and everything. And God was trying to tell me to do something and I was pushing it to the back. Like, okay, but I got to deal with this. Okay, but I have to do this for that person. Okay, but as soon as I do this and the environment, not that it was toxic, but it was disruptive to what he wanted me to do. And he had to take me and sit me down. And I, I moved. All I heard was the word move. The Holy Spirit told me move. I was like, okay. So I moved. Um, I'm in New Orleans. Well, we're outside of New Orleans now. But when I moved, there was a hurricane that came. And I was like, hmm. So he was telling me to move out of the way for the hurricane. Or if I didn't move. He was like, this is why I have to push you out. Like, he know, I'm one of, I'm not that type of child. Like, okay, you're going to tell me to move, but why? You know, <laughs> but why? So, um, and he had to seclude me. He had to take me out of every environment that was um, familiar to me, every environment that I was so present in that I could not just drop it all and do what he said. And he had to remove me. So I, I was sitting in the house that he moved me to for about seven months by myself. Like, I, okay, my kids are here, but work from home and that's it. You're sitting here. You have nothing else you need to do. You're going to be, the house is going to be sustained. You still have a job. Your house is going to be sustained, but you have to focus on me. So when you say change that environment, sometimes, like you said, it, things just seem so normal to us where we don't focus on anything else. But when God get ready to sit you down, he going to sit you down. He yep, is going to sit you down. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Everybody thought I was a hermit. They was like, well, what is she at? Yeah, that's real. <laughs> yes. He going to sit you down. And it was, I have never been I like to be off to myself 
I like to have peace. I love to be able to interact with my family when I can. But the way I was secluded, it was it was so nerve wracking to me that I would drive around in my car just to drive around, just to drive around and just to do stuff. I was like, I had to find something to do, I had to be busy. And he was like, nope. Hmm. Mm-mm. Hmm. Nope. Hmm. Yeah, he. that environment is a big one. Yeah, it is. And it's not always a bad thing, but it's, like I said, it, not, it wasn't toxic. It was just distracting and was disruptive. So, yeah, people have to evaluate evaluate the environment. They do. Evaluate. And, and what is God trying to tell you about this environment? Mm-hmm. Or what is he trying to take you away from in this environment? Yeah, yeah. Those are questions to ask. It, it requires yeah. for us to commune with God. To get clarity yes. about that. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then you say feel. In order to heal, you got to hurt. Ooh. You got to feel something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You got to feel something. I've been numb for so long, especially in personal relationships, that I remember a friend of mine asked me, do you have any feelings at all? Mm. Oh my God. Cause I am a very blunt person. Um, I feel like at times is it's a good characteristic to have because I am going to be honest. I am go- I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm going to tell you what you need to hear, but I have learned that my delivery and being considerate of the other person had to change. Mm-hmm. That had to change. And I really made people feel like I had no feelings at all. Like I was cold hearted. I was just, you know, I've never been cold hearted, but it's just the way I was coming off. I'm going to tell you the truth, but there's a way to talk to people. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a way to deliver things to people. Mm-hmm. I, I don't ever want to be responsible for someone needing to hear the truth, but the way that I told them to told it to them drove them to um, a point of like suicide or something extreme, you know? Right. So I had to really check myself and start considering the way other people felt. Cause I didn't think about it like that. I was like, well, I'm going to just let you know what you need to hear. Mm-hmm. And I didn't put myself in there and start feeling what it was. That I didn't, I didn't have any empathy towards right. their situation. Right. That's what it was. Yeah. Cause it was like, I- it's not my situation, but I'm gonna tell you what you need to do. <laughs> But I'm glad you realize that because many of us, it's easier. There's, there's, there's many situations, by the way, in which I had mm-hmm. strong opinions about other people when they were going through it until I went through it myself. So God has <laughs> a way to humble you and, yes. and really teach you about yourself uh, when we could be high and mighty and judgmental and just say, oh, it's easy to do X, Y, Z. When it ain't. You know, I really have learned, you know, to say, okay, I need to be mindful of when I'm expressing my opinion um, because I don't know their journey, their dynamics. And I I really have no right to judge because I've not walked in their shoes. But it's taken me quite a bit of time to get to this point. (laughs) And I still have to check myself because I'm human, you know. Yes. Yes. We're all human. Yep. Ooh, that was a that was a night that was a journey for me. 
Because on one end, I would be um, not necessarily praised because I don't ever want to use that word. But on one hand, I would be celebrated for like, yeah, go ask her. She's going to tell you the truth. And then on the other hand, it's like, well, should I go ask her? Because, mm-hmm, you know, and I want people who are, I want them to feel comfortable enough to come and ask me and know that you are going to get the truth, but also know that I still love you. I care about you and I understand what you're going through. So let me, let me give it to you in a way that you're going to be, it's going to be better received. Yeah. That was a, it was a long time coming for me (laughs) with that one too. That's good. And then you said community. Now, I think that community is like the hardest one for some people. I think that's the hardest one. Um, Because not a lot of people know where to find the right community or what they should even be looking for, right? So just Mm -hmm. to, to... Give people just a little bit of direction. What would you say would be the best way to go about looking for the right type of community? Well, um, that's a difficult question because everyone's journey is different. For for me, I started at the church. But I also Mm -hmm. understand that the church has been a source of some pain for many people, too. So they might be like, forget the church. Church hurt. And if that's you, Mm -hmm. I, I feel for you. I'm sorry that the church has harmed you in that way. And um, if that's the case, um, it's quite possible that there's a different faith community that would be suitable um, for you to allow you to feel safe and get the support you need through community. But if not, maybe um, take take your first step by doing some work outside the church uh, for community, because community doesn't have to be like a ton of people like this whole body of individuals. It could be a small group. It could be community, could be individuals collectively who've supported you. I talk about, yeah. um, I did a presentation the other day and I asked, who are, who are the people on the board of directors of your life? Who are the individuals mm. who uh, you can turn to for wise counsel, for support, to lift you up? And so it could be a grandma. It could be your counselor. It could be a mentor. It could be a best friend. And so those individuals, hopefully there's people in your life who have showed themselves to you in a way where you can see that they have integrity. You can see they have your best interest at heart. You can see that they will honor where you are with your flaws and, and help you to, to grow, but not judge you, you know? And so I think wherever you are in your life, um, explore the people who God have put along your path to say, who are the individuals who are truly for me, who maybe I have not let in because of fear, because of past experiences or whatever the case may be, but I'm willing to begin to forge a deeper relationship with them because I do need a few select individuals in my life who truly do know me so that I can experience that love. I can have an outlet to begin to work through some of my pain so that I can move forward. Yeah. Okay. And before I let you go, just one question. What do you believe is your purpose? Hmm. 
I think my purpose is to help help people to know God deeper, to experience mm. healing in their life, and to help women in particular. I'm drawn to women uh, yeah. to help them to live out their God-given purpose. Um, I didn't get a chance to mention this. I'll say this briefly, but I started a a community called women in the ministry for women who are called to ministry to help them to move past the fear, to um, identify their next steps and starting that nonprofit, writing that book, beginning that speaking career, starting that life coaching program. Um, I feel called yeah. to that as purpose driven work for me to help other women to live out their God given purpose because the world needs light. And so that's why I'm here. That's my mission. And I love doing it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Reverend Jocelyn, for being here with us today. Thank you for your light. Thank you for your obedience and your yes to God. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been such a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today on the Who God Says podcast with your host and Kingdom Ambassador, Ty Chandra. Go to whogodsays.com to join the mailing list for episode premieres, upcoming guests, and more. Send in your questions to be a part of the show at whogodsays at gmail.com. And don't forget, join the Kingdom Fanatic community. Until next time, be blessed and also be a blessing.